0: Okay. (laughs) Sweet. So Stoltz prayer first. (laughs) Right. Awesome. as a separate chunk, right? Like, stop the record, start the record, yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hello, saints. Um, Lord, I just, I just want to thank you for your goodness, for your faithfulness, for your generosity, um, how you fill this place with your presence, how you meet us time and time again. I just thank you for the um, trust that you build in us. To just, uh, that we can free fall into you over and over. It's so good, Lord. And Lord, would you bind up um, fear in this place and cast it out? And would you pour out joy? And freedom. Thank you, Lord, for the weight of your glory and the weight of the fear of your name, and yet the lightness of the yoke that you place upon us. It is a mystery. It's a miracle, Lord, that only you could do. Amen. Let's go to Matthew 25. Very familiar section of scripture starting in verse 14. I called this stewardship in my file naming. Kind of have to come up with a name when you save things on a computer, don't you? You can't just write a bunch of notes because it's got to have a name of some sort. Um So I'm going to talk about stewardship today. Matthew 25, 14, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, and each according to his ability and immediately went on a journey. So um, we're all, I'm pretty sure, familiar with this thoroughly. Um, What are, what do the talents represent? What are the first things that come to mind when you're like, in the parallel of talents, this is what the talents are. Strength, gifts like spiritual gifts, time, resources, right they're they're actually on the face, money in in the parable. okay, cool. Um, i I had skills too, like which are gifts too, but um, even our our and strengths cool. um. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability and immediately went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Um, You know, and and we know where this is going because we've read this probably a million times, and talked about it a million times. But um, I still am very aware that if you, if you say to me, I want to be a good steward of X, like any of those things that we named, generally my head goes to protecting it. Like, you know, like I want to be a good steward of finances. What do we? Our immediate thought is, what's a good steward of finances? Somebody who doesn't waste it, who doesn't like throw it away, doesn't spend it on stupid stuff. It's mostly a sort of protective making sure, you know, that it's like hedged in when we talk about that. Um, Our idea of a bad steward is mostly someone who just like goes crazy with the money. And yet we know um, that's not actually what this particular parable says about being a steward, so he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, "Lord, you delivered to me five talents look i 've gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, "Well done, good and faithful servant, you were faithful over a few things i 'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents look i 've gained two more besides them. And his Lord said to them said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant you 've been faithful over a few things." I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather, where I have not scattered seed, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to him, everyone who has, more will be given, and he'll have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant in the outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth." And of course, um, we all know this as, you know, it's, it's parallel to nobody who has a light puts a covering over it. You shine it out, right? We're meant, we know we're meant, the things that were given from the Lord, we're meant to share them, use them, sow them as seeds, um, and trust that the Lord's going to produce from them. But I want to point out a little bit deeper than just don't hoard things. Today. The funny thing is I don't feel nervous talking anymore, but I still have to drink a lot. So sorry about that. So clearly there's something still there. Um anyway. <laughs> uh so back in, in twenty-five twenty-five, the wicked servant says, I was afraid. Um, He says, I knew you to be a hard man right before that reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. And his deal is like, I know who you are and I'm applying that to what that means to me. And his Lord answers, wait a minute, you knew who I was. So then why didn't you do according to who I am? So, I just want to point out that this is not just a parable that's talking about, like, don't hoard things, don't be stingy. You got to, like, spread what you're given. It's not just about being an open conduit. It's about the things that I have, I have been given them, and they really belong to my master, right? He, they, they have been handed to these servants, but they were never the servants anywhere along the line. It's not the master going, Here, I'm giving you these talents, they're yours now. Enjoy. He's saying, here, I'm giving you these, do with them according to my character. And that's where the servant falls apart is that he's like, I know your character, and yet I'm going to treat them according to how I see you and the consequences of who you are for me, not what kind of person are you and these belong to you, and so they should be used as you would use them. Uh, Let's go to Numbers 14. Verse two: All the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation, and said to them, "If only we died in the land of Egypt, or if only we died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt?" which is pretty odd that they're like, it would have been better for us to die you brought us out here to die. But, um, so they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, the land we passed through to spy out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he'll bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me with all the signs which I've performed among them? I'll strike them with pestilence and disinherit them, and I'll make of you a greater nation and mightier than they. And Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear it, for by your might you brought these people up from among them, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. They've heard that you, Lord, are among these people, that you, Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands above them, and you go before them, in a pillar of cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you kill these people as one man, then the nations which have heard of your fame will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people to the land which he swore to give them, therefore he killed them in the wilderness. And now, I pray, let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he by no means clears the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation, pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you've forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. I tend to read this um, stupidly cynically. It sounds on the surface like a guy talking to his king and being like, oh, I know how to convince you. I'll appeal to you, you know, like what you get out of this. It sounds a little, um, doesn't sound righteous to me, on reading, you know, on on face value reading, but um, I think it is fascinating that, you know, like, it starts off with the Lord saying to Moses, I can, like, I can do all of the things I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob right here by wiping the slate clean and just using you, and I'll make you a great nation. Like, it was not necessarily in Moses' best interest to argue on behalf of the people, like, He had a new deal right there set up for him, boom, right at his feet. And yet he still goes, Wait, wait, Lord, let me talk about you. Let me talk about your glory in this moment. Moses had gotten to a point where he was so tied to the Lord's identity that he was like, I don't want you to give me a new story. You've got a story going on, Lord, that I've connected into and identified with so strongly. It matters to me what your, where your story is going in all of this. Um, he said to me in prayer a little while ago, he was like, why do you think so much about me vindicating you? you know I'm going to vindicate myself. If you are connected to me, it's a given. If you've actually plugged into my story where I'm going, if you are actually submitted to what I'm doing, I cannot vindicate you apart from vindicating myself. I can't vindicate myself apart from vindicating you. And I... It just really showed me how much I still see a disconnect. How I see, you know, and I'm even I'm thinking about like the things God has given me um, that are connected to Him. I'm thinking about, you know, this place, about the time I've spent in prayer, and about the truths I've spoken. And wanting those vindicated, but I'm wanting those vindicated as if they're somehow disconnected with Him. There's a doubt in me about whether they'll be vindicated because I'm not thinking them of them as still His things that I'm just carrying for a moment, that I'm just um, using according to His heart for a moment. I still think of them as things that He's given me to be mine for a while. When they're, they're not, they're his the whole time I'm carrying them. And he can't, he can't not vindicate himself. That's him. He's, he's, he is righteous. Every knee is going to bow and say he is Lord by the end. Like everything that he has set in motion is going to be vindicated before all doubt. All doubt is going to flee because it won't be able to bring an accusation against him. And if I am just carrying his story instead of having him give me a story, then that vindication's assured. Let's go to Joshua. I'm going to leapfrog down time a little bit. We just read um, Joshua and Caleb standing up uh, before the congregation of Israel and going, Whoa! He's taking us into a beautiful land. Like, we see his story unfolding just like Moses was like, you know, it's your story I'm worried about. Not mine. Uh... Joshua 5, 13, it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, no, as commander of the army of the Lord, I've now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. And of course, um, they took Jericho, right? And it was good for Joshua and the Israelites to take Jericho. They got the benefit of taking part of the land that was being given to them. But it was... The Lord and His glory that all those who agreed and said we're part of this benefited from that, but it wasn't for their benefit as something detached. Uh, jumping down to Joshua 6.1. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. No one went in, none came out. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. Uh, Let's go to John 3. This is another, we're very familiar with this passage. Although, you know, honestly, <laughs> how much we pray and talk about the word, there's, it, there's an astonishing amount of very familiar passages. But uh, <laughs> I, I love that I was just telling Stephanie recently, and like the Lord sometimes just gives me a psalm number, you know, pops it into my head. I don't know what it's going to be until I get there, and then I'm there, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is an extremely familiar psalm. And over and over again, you're all around the psalms going, you know, like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I should have known that was that one. Uh, But I do not have a head for attaching the numbers to to the passages very well, but it is a lovely thing to have all of those passages there and the modern convenience of being able to go, where was that again? (laughs) And finding it. I actually, years ago, got a weight lifted off me because I'm reading the New Testament and several times writers are like, you know, when it was said, and they don't need to go. And this book, These many chapters in, of course, they didn't have the numbers at that point, but um, it was okay to just go. We all know this is in the Bible. (laughs) And if you don't know, find it out. Um, Anyway. Although I do appreciate those who are like, yes, I know exactly, boom. Uh, okay, anyway, that was a big digression because I was going so fast. We were gonna be done in 20 minutes, no. Um, John 3, <laughs> sorry. I'm feeling pretty good this morning. I was not when I came in. And <laughs> and within about five minutes, it was like, whoa, <laughs> thank you, Lord. So uh, please pardon my um, bubbliness. John three twenty five. <laughs> John 3, 25, thank you, Lord, you are so good. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is was with you behind the, beyond the Jordan to whom you've testified, behold, he's baptizing and all are coming to him. And John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it's been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I'm not the Christ, but I've sent, been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he's seen and heard, that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He must increase, but I must decrease um, just on the face of it. You know, it sounds humble. It sounds like, yep, yep, I, I know I'm the servant and he's the master. And, and, um, and it is very much humility, but um, this is also identification. It's, I know I am attached into this glorious man, this glorious God's story. And the more I decrease, the more it means I'm not part of my story anymore, which means I'm part of a better story. He's talking about sanctification, of having all of the things that want to have my, I keep saying the word story, but all the things that, that are mine dissolved away until all I have is his. He was actually longing for this moment. It wasn't like, like I've got a little window to do my deal, and then, okay, i got to hand it over, and then my stuff will be over. He's waiting for this moment because this is his deal perfected into something better than his deal. It's Jesus' deal completely now. John 17, skipping down. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours you gave them to me, and they've kept your word. Now they've known that all things which you've given me are from you, for I've given them to them the words which you've given me, and they've received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Again, um, just the beautiful humility of our Lord, our Savior, before the Father. But like over and over again in this prayer, he's just repeating. Like, I don't even claim that these are mine. He's the one who was there at the beginning. For whom, through whom, with whom, all things were created. There is, And yet, They're the fathers, you gave them to me. I held them in stewardship for a few years while I'm here. And now, Father, I'm giving them back to you because I have to come back to you. Even Jesus, even the son one of the three persons of the Trinity was in a place of, I'm not having anything for myself. I'm stewarding it for the Father. And he can say halfway through that prayer, glorify me with yourself because he's seeing the glory of the Father being manifest through these small little band of mostly doubting men, but he's seeing the glory that's going to come to his father, and he's so connected in with it that he's able to just humbly go, glorify me with you because I am completely one with your story and your glory now. Well, not all the way along, but There's, um, I've been just thinking about how much faith he had before the cross. Like, you know, as someone who's leading something, he's got this, this group that he's been ministering to and talking to and trying to get truth into this whole time. And he's got to go to the cross without really any good sign that it's going to work out at all. Like, they're all going to scatter from him. You know in that moment, like, all of the flesh, all the natural inclination would be like, if at least one of you, if at least you, Peter, I can go, okay, you're in a good place. It's going to work. And he didn't have that at all. (laughs) And went to the cross just faithful that the Father was going to fulfill it, the Spirit was going to fulfill it on the other side. Hallelujah. But all because he's holding it as like just in pure stewardship. This is yours, Father. So I just want to add to that list of the things that we read out as people. We don't tend to think of the talents we've been given as people. Although it's actually a little bit more acute here at Lighthop because we don't pay anybody. And the rest of the world can be good stewards of their money and motivate service by paying people. They got a shortcut. And we don't, because we're not paying anybody. So we can be good stewards with the money and get a little freaked out about who's gonna take care of X. Because we can't go, "Um, you know, you're getting a check, dude. To anybody. (laughs) <laughs> Let's go to 1 Corinthians. Still going to be a short message. Um, 1 Corinthians 1.11. So we have to hold... We, there, yes, there's an extra measure of testing in this place to hold each other in stewardship before the Lord, not as ours. Like all the people sitting next to you are your brothers and sisters, your friends, but that is way secondary to they are children of God, made in his image, the body of Christ. Oh, I lied. I didn't lie, I misspoke. Um, Let's go back to John 21. I've got a little more than I thought. I had things out of order, so I had to bounce. John 21, we're going to skip down just a couple more verses of, or a couple more chapters of John. John 21, 15. So when they'd eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. And Peter's got to go on this journey from you know, being the star of a story where he is the right-hand man of Jesus, helping Jesus out, to, oh, I have got to now steward your flock just as the Father gave you people to steward. Now I have to be a steward And it's not my story, and I am going to be led where I do not want to go, to a death like yours. And now we can go to 1 Corinthians one eleven, Just to keep um, sort of touching on these people for it's been declared to me concerning you my brethren, and by those of chloe's household that there are contentions among you now i say this that each of you says i'm of paul or i'm of apollos or i'm of cephas or i'm of christ is christ divided was paul crucified for you Or were you baptized in the name of paul I thank God that I baptized none of you except Christmas and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I had baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the house of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. Connected to this, he talks about, you know, um, one person planting another watering and God giving the increase. And there's just a, you know, in all of the churches that Paul oversaw and spoke into and corrected, they weren't his personal, oh, this is my deal, they were all held before the Lord. Oh, I see what the Lord's doing in you. And and he's given me things to speak into that. And he's given me things to correct in that. But they're all, um, I'm holding this. This is the Lord's work that I get to um, steward for a time. And don't, don't assign it to me. especially not so that you can one-up each other. <laughs> like, it's like it's just the complete opposite spirit of how I've held you, and yet you're trying to make it into um, the complete opposite thing. Um, let's go to Luke. Um, I feel like this is very much tied to the last thing I got to share, which was, I'm trying to talk and, <laughs> and find a section at the same time, which is um, difficult. Uh Last thing I shared, which was really about how we see um, looking at the ground in front of us in the walk we're doing versus looking at the glory of God manifest around us in this climb up, this holy mountain. Um, And this is really about how we see how we see all the things that we've been given to do, to hold. Um, do we really, in our hearts, know that this is something of the Lord's that I've been given to carry a little while? And you think about, like, you know, how you feel um, if somebody gives you something really precious for a little bit to use something really expensive, something really meaningful tied to them, you know, and how you feel and walk with that versus, um, you know, your own stuff. (laughs) It's a very, very different thing. Um, How I... Yeah. Fifteen... Luke 15, 11. Then he said a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living And then skipping down to uh, 25, the prodigal son comes back, is received by the father, a party is thrown. His older son was in the field, and he came and drove near to the house, and he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant, and he said to him, your brother's coming because he's received him safe and sound. Your father has killed the fatted calf, but he was angry and would not go in. For his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you, I've never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fetid calf for him. And the father said to him, Son, you're always with me, and all I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and found. It's just fascinating that both sons have really the exact same issue, which is they want what the father has for themselves. They want it. This, this needs to be mine, as opposed to I am of my father's household, I am an extension. Of my father. I'm a branch from my father's tree. Um, And then one more. Let's go to Matthew 21. One of the things he said to me recently is... um, Whenever I correct you, you try to figure out where you've been doing the thing wrong so that you can receive the correction. And he said, sometimes the correction is because you're doing it just fine, but with the wrong heart. You're not seeing what you're doing rightly. And that's worthy of correction and and, uh, is good when he does correct it. But it can be. It can undermine the correction. If it's about let me find where I didn't do it. Because the important thing is um, where your heart is, is determining those things. And if you're doing it all right. With a wrong heart, you're not going to be doing it all right for very long. Matthew 21:33 Here another parable: There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a winepress in it and built a tower, and he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country. Now when vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. And the vine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did likewise to them. Then last of all, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? And they said to him, He'll destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to the other vinedressers. who will render to him the fruits in their seasons." It is um, this movement from we are stewards of this land for the one who owns it to, you know what? I think it would be better if this belonged to us. That leads... To the place of crucifying Jesus, of rejecting the Son sent, to reestablish the Father's authority. Um, It sounds like a little thing to say, you know, see things rightly. But seeing things rightly goes right to the core of where our heart is at and Everything else springs up from that. And it's when we think, you know what? It would be better if I wasn't a steward of this, but an owner, um, that we completely derail. It's in the earth right now to stake out claims and defend territory, especially in the church and that is a huge sign that the stewards have decided that this is theirs to defend instead of his held in stewardship and the temptation is strong there Um, yeah so Um, (laughs) I went from kind of goofy to very sober right there. But, um, you know, going back to to Jesus' prayer, I want to, want to see as my highest goal, handing everything back at the right time that the Lord has put in my hands and said, and be able to say to him, you know, I I pressed into holding these things as you would have held them. As you say to hold them as opposed to as if they were my things. Even loaned for a little bit, but my things for a bit. And that's going to be a beautiful, beautiful um, thing to do where I have done it, to go, these these are yours. I'm so glad. I'm so glad I've gotten, I've carried them to this point where um, I am a part of your story completely, and I've shed all of my story in the process gained such a better one, and this is about. This really is about all of our money and our time and our skills, and most about people. So, Lord, um, just thank you. That you, you did, you do, you send waves of servants. Um, you know, Lord, the hearts of men. And I thank you that you have given us a place to steward and to keep um, returning back to stewarding when our grip gets a little tight on it. Would you keep us in that way, Lord? Lord? Lord, I want to look at my brothers and sisters, my friends, my kids, my wife, as, um, not as gifts from you, but as beautiful things that are yours. And the gift is that I get to um, carry them a little while. Would you do that in my heart? I know, Lord, um, this is one of those doors of freedom that you said was open. Would you carry us through into it? Amen.